This week on Invasion of the Podcast, DC resets the universe again. We talk about Stan the Man Lee, Excelsior. And I test Joe's knowledge of man's. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're taking over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, no prize, Stedman. I figure I will never get a prize. Yeah, and then to my left is Joe. Expect him to do a cameo in all the cool movies, Peter. Peters, not Peter. Peter. Peters. I was thinking of the alliteration. You know, it's funny. Because you got to have Stan Lee, you got to have, you know, your name would be Joe Jeters or something. The people, the people at the management office in the building I live in, they they call me Peter, and I'm just like, I don't really care to correct you. Like, <laughs> you just you're just like, no, nah, I'm good. Whatever. whatever. Yep. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, did you did you have a question, Peter? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Not even gonna bother correcting you. That's funny. I like I, I don't I, I just I haven't had a situation recently where I've cared to to correct somebody about my name, but nobody's I'm sure... ever been like, are you okay, Stedman? <laughs> I well, I mean, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I was just trying to think of like, I, like I've been how, called. How's Oprah? <laughs> I've been called different names while I've been dealing with people on the phone. Where like there was definitely one point where someone was like, "Thanks, John," and I was like, uh, "See that?" I, and I said, uh, "You know, right band, wrong member," and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Never mind." You know, like just yeah. No, I get that though. Like people will call me Jeff, John, different things, and it's in the the realm of the J's, but it's always like. I don't care. <laughs> but Peter. Uh, so uh, we got a lot of things to talk about tonight. But first, I want to just uh, just go into the, the big controversy that ended last last episode about the end of the thing, um, how Joe supposedly oh, had this theory about Keith David, his character Childs being oh. as a child. Anyway, Keith David's character being the thing at the end of the thing because uh-huh. you couldn't see his breath. We threw the Blu-ray in. And I could clearly see his breath. Okay, you could not clearly see his breath. I could clearly see his breath. There was like a smidgen of breath, okay? There was breath. Kurt Russell was like spewing like vape fumes out of his mouth. He just might run hotter than other people. Yeah, because he's human. Yeah, I told you what the theory was. No, no, no. I told you what the theory was. Like, Like, Keith David was the thing, and he had a lower body temperature, and he did produce a little bit of breath. But then, like, the whole time he's talking to Kurt Russell... No breath. Actually, I take it back. I believe that either one of them might be the thing, but the, that. But I feel that the movie doesn't give you that information to make you let you make that decision. I believe it is ambiguous. I'm because if either if they both were the thing, they wouldn't be talking to each other. Well, They'd be high fiving and then being like, "Hey, you want to become a wolf monster again? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Well, hey, you we know? win. <laughs> hey, you become Brimley. I'll become the mustache. What are twin powers yeah. unite? Yep. You know, diabetes and oatmeal. But. <laughs> They, I don't know. I'm not, and I'm not trying to get this like debunked just because like I like it being more of an open ending thing. But like when that like surfaced and I looked at it, I was like, 
Yeah, it's kind of believable that Keith David's the thing. Yeah, but they didn't do the research. I did my research. We, what we research both did the did research. You do? We watched the movie. We watched and, the last five minutes of the movie. I know that Carpenter himself has said that, you know, at the end, you're not supposed to know who it is. He's not even sure That's who it fine. is. That's fine. So, and we have some Carpenter related news, so we'll get to that in a second. Right. right. So I'm glad that all kind of ties well, together. We're going to build a house. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to build a house. Um, the house that the thing built. And it's going to be really disgusting and slimy um, and full of weird dog heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Other things I wanted to mention real quickly. I am just super thankful that the television season, as we know, it's pretty much over next week. <laughs> I feel like I'll have time now to play video games. I feel like I've been chained to my TV watching all my superhero stories. So I'm just happy. So here, CW, I'm glad that you're doing all this cool stuff. But here's a memo. Could you just make your seasons like maybe like 12 episodes and make them really awesome as opposed to like yeah. 20,000 episodes. And I, then I have to be drugged through the entire year. I still couldn't believe that first season of arrow was like 362 episodes like, <laughs> well even the first season of legends tomorrow is 16 and that's considered a short order on the cw yeah like and, i was like man i'm like i'm almost done with this i'm on episode nine and then i look i'm like how the hell did they do a full order on the first season yeah so it, i i feel like i'm almost free and i don't know if i'm going to get back on the horse next season but we'll see yeah, I'm um, yeah. yeah. so other thing i want to mention too i think i think i'm getting over wrestling i think i'm kind of done with yeah it. did you watch uh extreme rules I, I did i didn't watch it you I, didn't watch it i had a lot of stuff i had to do last night like i or not last night sunday night i did laundry and um there's something I, I had to like there's like dishes that were piled up and i was like oh you know so you what? had like grown-up responsibilities i kind of did grown-up stuff and like in between i think i was playing was i playing here was a storm i don't know but i was like i could watch extreme rules and by the by the time I realized that it was on. It was like eight thirty, and I'm just like, oh, I'll get to it. But I did do the the, the follow up on it, um, and I'm glad Seth Rollins is back. But well, my whole thing is the whole pay per view. It's the best one I've seen of the recent ones that I've been watching. I heard it was good. Like it was the best one. The last two matches, like the 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 women's match, it was good until there was interference, and then that got it turned into garbage. Well, they and had then, to bring out what's her name because I guess Sasha Banks is hurt. What whatever you could just had that match in clean and I would have been fine with it. Yeah. Like uh, and then the last match could have also ended clean and I would have been happy with it. But they had to have whole other thing going on with the other guys coming out and fighting. And it's just like give me like this is a pay per view. Like if you're going to cap off a story, I know you always got to lead to the next one because pay per views are now like comic books. They're coming out once a month and you got to <laughs> have the story ongoing. I feel like this is like your marquee kind of event. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a clear cut winner. And not just show people, oh, he almost got him. If only the ref was looking like that. I'm getting kind of tired of that. I think I think that's it is what, a little beat into the ground. But like the four way match between uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, Cesaro, and The Miz was awesome. Um, the Asylum match with uh, Deadbeat Dad, Dean Ambrose, and um, and Jericho. Jericho was okay until the end, and then it got awesome because they brought out thumbtacks. Ooh, and Jericho got he got flat planted on it his back into the whole thing at thumbtacks i did not think that was going to happen i think at that point though thumbtacks like like towards the end of the match i'm sure your body's probably in enough pain that like having thumbtacks go into you would hurt but you've already kind of been thrown into so much stuff that your body's achy enough you probably won't notice it no i agree with that but it's the whole idea that they haven't done that since like mankind yeah they they're real like I, I hope they keep doing stuff like this with Ambrose. It'll help his character to push that, like that mankind thing, but also not like sacrifice his body. I, well, I have this whole storyline in my head now that Dean Ambrose just wants to get his kids back. 
and he's just trying to prove to the judge if he can just hold a job. And so instead of an asylum match, I, I just had this image that this was like kind of like his like, apartment, and there's all these different get, jobs he's reaching for. If he can just hold on to a job long enough, he can get his kids back. Or have like a match where like he fights like the Wyatts or something, and the Wyatts bring like these these kids out, and they're his kids, and they'll be like, yeah, they're like, and, yeah, they start like, getting in his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they're in protective custody now, Dean. You can't, yeah. you can't hold a job. Be like, you're going to be destroyed in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> Your weekends and Christmases will be taken away. Um, anyway. I'll probably watch Money in the Bank. I want to see Money in the Bank more than I did this Extreme Rules. Money in the Banks are usually pretty cool because you get that briefcase. Yeah, I just think I'm kind of I think I'm kind of over for now how I get that it's all like, the, you know, the, like the people working these, they know the outcome and it can still be enjoyable. I'm just getting kind of tired of the interference with AJ Styles. Like he's good, people like him. Let him win. And I know Seth Rollins back that complicates it, but like no one likes Roman Reigns. It's fine. Let's let let Styles win for a minute, and then like I don't know. Like it's okay to have some to have some good guys win sometimes. I know that's the whole build up, right? Is that you want to see that happen? But they fought each other like how many times in the past like four weeks. They a lot actually. Yeah. So anyway, so I think I'm kind of done for the moment. The only reason I saw Extreme Rules, Rules is because I forgot to. I thought I had canceled my WWE subscription. It did not. It ran through midnight that night. <laughs> so I'm just like, if I don't watch it now, I'm not going to watch it. So I had to make a decision. So I watched it, and then I watched Game of Thrones. That's um, funny. So anyway, that's that's that note there. Um, I yeah, I, yeah, I had yeah. other stuff. I, that's you, you that, want you want to go into news? Yeah, well, I was just looking. I had other I had other oh. things I had to talk about. I didn't know. It. I didn't know you had that much pre news. Sorry, I had some news before the news. Now here's actual news. Good news, everyone. I just like having some like chit chat between you and I before oh, okay. we're going to the news. That's you know, fine. like people people need to get settled down and get their coffee and just wait. Oh, this the show is like starts. yeah, okay. This is the coffee. Well, most people are usually in their cars. Okay, well, whatever. You know, it's like just getting getting their day started. But I get you know? it. That's yeah. a little coffee thing. Like before we get to the main thing. Yeah, before we start like throwing chairs and getting angry yeah. at each other. Uh, yeah, news. Um, you want to talk about DC Rebirth? Yeah. So they spoiled this this week on the internet. DC Rebirth. So the DC universe is getting rebooted again. Um, and almost not like a reboot. It's more of a reset. So they're going back to like pre New Fifty Two. And and what you mean by that is that they're there's um, both Marvel and DC had this thing where since like the sixties at least maybe earlier they had this long running continuity for all their books, mm-hmm. and it got to be the point to where it was unwieldy, so you couldn't have stories or have fresh takes because it would go against continuity. Right. So they came up with these different ways of trying to reset continuity so you could have like um for example not to to be all marvel for a second but like the ultimate universe existed outside the regular marvel universe so you could have new readers come in and get on board with spider-man and like x-men kind of at the ground floor but also you already have the key things that you liked about them intact right so dc dc does this more than marvel does Right and and like Marvel recently did it with Secret Wars. I mean, they took the 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 six the um sixty the fifty some years of continuity that they had with uh the DC or the Mars the Marvel Universe, and um they basically kind of reset everything. And now stuff that Captain Amer- or not Captain America and the Avengers did back in the in the sixties and seventies isn't really continuity for what's happening right now. Yeah. So and with with DC too, it's like what they did is they supposedly had this whole, I what was it? Um, 
a couple years ago where they just completely said, all right, we're stopping all our books, starting over with what they call the new 52. Mm-hmm. And so that way, like characters that you knew, some were dead, some were more different, like uh, different things. Like I know Superman was treated more of like an alien that couldn't fly yet. Um, and they had different things like that. So, but with this rebirth though, uh, they uh, are, I, <laughs> I know I, if you guys hear a dog in the background barking like a chicken, it's because my dog decided just to be like, I'll bark you for a second. I don't so, know if she's barking. I don't know if she's barking at either. Maybe a ghost. I, I hope it's a ghost. Uh, she didn't like all the pre-news either is what happened. <laughs> she's like, just just bark, 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 get to the, the news. Uh, no, so with this rebirth thing, they're doing something bigger in the sense that they're kind of resetting everything, bringing, not resetting, but they're kind of going back to like, oh, hey, guys, New 52. Oh, that was all someone else's meddling. Now we're bringing back everything. Right. And it's all tied to... Someone that was in the DC universe, but not really. Right, which is kind of cool. Um, and if you, I was going to say, if you remember, like when they launched New Fifty Two, it was around the same time that I want to say season two and season one of Arrow and Flash were. If you, okay. if you ever notice, if you watch those shows, they dropped that number so many times. Yeah, in that's those true. Shows. Yeah. Like there were fifty two of this, there were fifty two of that. Oliver had fifty two um, girlfriends at once. Yeah, like or Laurel had fifty two bottles of, of alcohol. Yeah, I remember there was one issue where issue there was one episode where in, on Arrow they had to do a set of twenty six of this and a set of twenty six of that. Like everything came out to the number fifty two. But, but even with the Flash this season, where they're closing all the portals around there are 52 um, portals yeah yeah they did all that so that's where that kind of came from but anyway so what was leaked and hinted with dc rebirth was that um uh and this is a little bit of a spoiler for anybody that reads dc comics if you want to hit it spoiler spoiler alert so the first issue of rebirth kind of follows wally west as the flash trying to get out of the speed force but he needs to find an anchor back to the Speed Force. So Wally West has been dead in the New 52. Yeah, they, they got rid of him in the New 52. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so he's going back, he's running through uh, kind of time and space, but um, he keeps running to different people of the Justice League of America. And he finally comes up to Barry Allen, and Barry Allen doesn't remember him. And just as, I guess, he's about to be pulled into the Speed Force, like, Barry remembers. And then, like, Wally kind of gets pulled back. And they, at the end of the comic, they hint and they show at different things. Like, um, Batman's in the Batcave, and he sees something in the Batcave that is, like, deep within, like, the deep Batcave. <laughs> the deep Batcave. The cave. deep Batcave. Something shiny. It's, so he goes... It's, it's like all the extra Robin storage. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> dead Jason Todd stuff. Um, but, so he goes and checks it out, and it ends up being a smiley face button with the blood on it from Watchmen. So Comedian's button is in Batman's cave somehow. Which makes sense, because Jeffrey D. Morgan was his father, and Batman versus Superman. Yes. There you go. That's so he how found I- his dad's button. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then um, right before Ozymandias killed him yeah. and broke his mom's pearls. But uh, th- uh, And then at the end of the panels, it shows Dr. Manhattan, uh, who supposedly created some type of a universe when you, I guess it was in the uh, before Watchmen. Do you remember when that came out? Well, actually, I, I know that you're talking about the, they had um, some books that were out before, that took place before the Watchmen series as we know it. Mm-hmm. But I also know that they're, they're directly quoting towards the end of the original Watchmen when Ozymandias is talking to Dr. Manhattan about uh, about the end. And he says something about, well, the end, he says something very ambiguous about the end and then leaves. Uh-huh. And whoever came up with this idea was like, oh, he left to go metal. 
and right. just come up with something different. So, and so, yeah, they're kind of hinting that Dr. Manhattan was the reason for the New 52 to exist. Yeah, the implication is that when Dr. Manhattan left at the end of the Watchmen comic series in the 80s, he went off to create the New 52 universe. Like, he basically is in space doing some little super cosmic god stuff where he's creating a small universe and... That was supposedly the I just want to believe he's on Mars, just driving little cars in the sand, just like <laughs> making a brrrr. <laughs> Watch out, Batman! <laughs> he's just up there playing in the dirt, pretty much. Like, so, but yeah, so uh, this opens up a lot of possibilities. So, a lot of people that weren't fans of the New Fifty Two and a lot of the changes that they did, um, certain rom- I know romances and people are rekindled, like um, Black Canary and Arrow are going to be back together. Or their their characters are going to be kind of reunited. Um, the uh, like Wally West is back. I guess there's going to be two Wally Wests or two Flashes. They'll both be Flashes, but I think there's going to be two Wally Wests. One will be Kid Flash, and one will be the grown-up Wally West. That, you're right. That's not going to be confusing at all. No, yeah. but we no. just say that as we talk about how there's now multiple Spider-Man. Exactly. I was just going to say we have Miles Morales and Peter yeah, Parker. He's so. awesome. Uh, so um, I, I, you know, I think I kind of it's interesting. Wanna, but it also kind of makes me frustrated where it's like they told you for years. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the new status quo. And then they're like, oh, by the way, no, just kidding. All this other stuff's kind of the way it was still. It, uh, it, it feels kind of. It, it, I think I, don't I think G- I think DC has jumped around enough that they can get away with it so much that that there's never really any straight line of continuity, because just like Marvel does what they did with Secret Wars, there's there's pocket stories and there's pocket things that they do uh like old man logan like old man logan is a great story that stands outside of the marvel universe of 616 and they recognize that and they kind of pulled that into the current marvel universe uh because old man logan is now a part of the current current marvel universe because of what happened with secret wars but before it was completely separate and standalone and they just wrapped up like his interaction with that universe like um after secret wars uh, he he had to come to terms with that he was kind of like back in the past and in, in the past to him, you know, because the X Men yeah, were still alive. Because in Old Man Logan, like he's so many years in the future, and there was a very bad event that took place, right? That caused a lot of heroes to die in a hurry. Yes. And so in his mind, even though it's a different universe, there's a lot of it that's still similar enough to where he's like, it's going to happen again. So. What they did with this this new this new series that that just jump started this year was he realized where he was he decided to try to correct the wrongs and and go on a rampage and just kill everyone responsible for like you know the bad stuff that happened in the future or and what ends up happening is he he finds himself like kind of bumping into Kate Bishop and they kind of go on a little um uh a little adventure like over two issues, which I really liked because it's a throwback to old man Logan when he teams up with a Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, because she's Hawkeye and ultimately they come across Steve Rogers and he's really confused why Steve Rogers is so old and they end up taking him to, uh, his grave site when they did the death of the Wolverine a couple years ago. Okay. So, he realizes that the future has changed and he's no longer... And it's not set. It's not set. Okay. So technically, there's two Wolverines. You've got the the Wolverine from 616 who died and is encased in adamantium and basically a statue, like melted adamantium. And then you've got old man Logan. So... No, I see your point. I just the only thing I really hope with this um, rebirth is that it feels like they're also trying to say, "Hey, 
there's a lot of cool things about the Watchmen, but we've never been able to bring them in proper into the DC universe. Yeah. Just bring back Rorschach. Figure out a way to bring him back. If they pull, uh, like, I want to see him like investigating stuff and come across Batman. I want to see that. I yeah. think that would be. I you would know, love a Rorschach Batman. That would be good. Up. And then I just want to see Night Owl out there too. Yep. Actually, come across Batman. That would be great. Like that would. Hey, hey, we have some more. Th- hey, you want to go fly around on my thing? It's really slow. Well, do you but- remember there was a DC? Uh, we talk about DC cartoons. There was a DC cartoon. I want to say it was Justice League Doom. No, it wasn't Doom. It was one of the apocalypse ones with um, Dark Side, where no, 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 <laughs> damn, there's so many. But anyway, there were there was an, there was an inverted, reversed world, like there always is, where yeah. the heroes were the villains and the villains oh, were the, the heroes. Flashpoint one you're talking the, about, yeah, because yeah. like what ends up happening is Luther sends the Joker, or no, the the Joker, <laughs> the Joker gets killed, and the Joker's a good guy. He gets killed by the the Justice League in the bad world, and then. The two worlds start to collide and merge, but Batman is actually Owl Man. Oh, neat. and and they're okay. basically they're basically the same person. It's just one's a bat, one's an owl. And I uh, thought that was a really cool throwback to to the Night Owl. Yeah. So, so. Uh, anyway, that was like that was a convoluted discussion about a convoluted topic. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, guys. No, it's, we went full comic on. <laughs> no, I, I think it's interesting, and I just again, I just want to see. If you're going to bring me Watchmen, then bring some Watchmen in there. I think I this think is going cool. to be the thing that's going to pull me back like into DC. Give give me an Ozymandias behind the scenes doing stuff again. That would be... <laughs> I think I might be down for that. I would love a good Ozymandias like, villain that's not really a villain. Almost in like an, like an Ultron well, without the rage. Ozymandias never saw himself as a villain. No, he didn't. Yeah. The same thing, because like, I look at him kind of like Ultron. Like, Ultron doesn't see himself as a villain. Yeah, like they he, slowly turned him into more of like a raging evil robot, but he's he'd always just been kind of like a calculating like this is what I'm programmed to do to wipe out to save humanity. Yeah. So anyway, that there you go. So DC's re- rebooting their universe. I'm sure we'll talk about this again in a month when they do it again. Um, so so there's that other news we have. Um, speaking of reboots and changing of things, uh, currently the Dark Tower is in production. And that's Stephen King's like magnum opus. Uh, Idris Elba is Roland, which I'm all about. But the big thing people were worried about, because they said uh, repeatedly people that, that the people making the movie are like, well, don't expect the same thing as the books. And I think that's a healthy way to approach it anyway, because there's a lot of the, the stuff in those books that are really weird. It'd be hard to film. Um, and so they're, and this is giving away here. I want Spoiler! The whole crux of the Dark Tower is rolling on this journey to fight the, the Crimson King at the Dark Tower, and he finally has his big moment, but then there was an early failing he had along the way where he forgot to bring an item with him that he needed, and it was called the Horn of Eld, and because of this, he wasn't able to complete his journey, so the whole thing wraps up, and then the book, the very last passage of this whole book series is basically the same couple sentences of the first book, but there's reference to having the horn this time, so you're like maybe he'll get it right this time. And it makes you wonder how many times has he been on this journey and how many times has he failed. So uh, Stevie King, on his Twitter, he put an image saying, uh, what was it exactly, um, last time around, and it had a picture of the Horn of Eld. And it makes you, it's kind of implied that the movie is like, we have it this time. It's going to be a different story. We're not going to hold to the books. So you don't know what's going to happen. I kind of like that. I kind of like it a lot, actually. That's a clever way of like, because they're like, think about it in like another perspective. Like what if, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies, like he never 
delivered the ring, but he delivered the ring in the books. Yeah. It would be just another take, but there's always like... Well, with this one being that he's always been on this continuous journey. Yeah. And it's like, so the like all bets are off about who's going to make it this time, who may not make it. Will he make it? And it's like, it's, I think that's kind of interesting. And I, and I, and even though like, it's one of those endings that when I read it, it made sense and it fit because the entire time they keep alluding to their belief that they call, there's this whole spiritual thing that they call Ka and they kept calling it cause a wheel and they kept making references to the wheel turning. And it's like, so every, the entire time you get to the end, you're like, crap, they've been talking about this the entire time it's been in front of me. So it was a very anticlimactic in terms of like, I wanted, I wanted a showdown. I wanted a big epic battle. You didn't get it, you know? So with this, it's like, now they have Idris Elba playing Roland though. You better give me a battle because he's going to be awesome. But with this, it's like, I like the idea that it's almost, it's almost like a sequel to the Dark Tower books and, and readers should be excited that they don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm excited. So I thought that was kind of a cool, cool thing. And that Stephen King signed off on it. It was like, he seems excited about it too, because I think he realizes that there's a lot of his books, a lot of this book series that would be really difficult to film and get across concept wise. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. That sounds cool. I should read the dark tower. I've never I mean, I know it. I ruined it for you there, but it's... it's no, like, that's okay. Like, Well, the crazy thing about The Dark Tower, too, is that it spreads into, like, at le- at easily a third, if not half of his books. Like, there's just elements all over the place. Like, uh-huh. um, like, like it ties into it. Um, like, as a branch, not, like, directly applying to it. Um, what else is there? Like, uh, Salem's Lot ties into it. Like, there's things that you wouldn't think that do, but that they do. So... Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm excited and I wasn't excited for this movie, but now, now that my interest has peaked, uh, there are things I hope to see. I hope that they get some of the casting. I hope like some of the characters still come across the way I love them in the book, but I don't need necessarily the same journey. I don't need that as one. I want Eddie Dean to be Eddie Dean, which I think someone told me Aaron Paul is that character. And if that's the case, that's really great casting for that character who is a recovering junkie that wants to prove right. You know, so it's like <laughs> poor, poor, uh, Aaron Paul being cast again and again in that same role. But anyway, I thought that was cool. Um, last bit of news here real quick. Um, John Carpenter has announced along with Bloomhouse pictures that they're making a new Halloween movie and it's not going to be a reboot. It's going to be a continuation. John Carpenter's on to produce. He's not directing, but he will pick a director and work with them closely. And he wants to do the score and all of this sounds right in the world. Yeah. I think, you know, it's kind of like not sad that John Carpenter is not directing, but I like the idea more that he's working on the score. I think, I think the score of some movies, uh, definitely set that tone, and I think that like with Carpenter, I think that's a huge piece of his movies. Well, and I think you know, I think he's like you know, I've directed two of these already. I don't need to do a third one. Um, and I'm not saying like I love John Carpenter, I really, really do. He has some amazing movies. He has some terrible movies too. So the fact that he wants to help create this new one and not necessarily direct it and give a younger, newer director a chance to prove himself, just much like he did. I think that's a cool move. Um, Bloomhouse Pictures, they always go low budget. Not low budget as in like a million. I'm talking like this one I think is capped at 15 um, because the the guy who's behind Bloomhouse said uh, that anything higher than that and then people that invest start wanting to get into creative control. Mm-hmm. So he's like, let's just keep it low. And I, I think that's a good move too because you don't need to have a super high budget Halloween movie. No, you don't. You just, just got to give me a polished one. Right. And I, I think it's cool. And I, I like that Carpenter at this point in his career is just like, I just want to make music. That's cool. I think he'll get it back to the, the beautiful, um, 
marriage of suspense and brutalness. Yeah, cause he's because like, he's like, he's like, he's half a force of nature. He's not a person. Right. You know? I think and, a lot of times nowadays, the sla- we've talked about the slasher movies, horror movies, they're all suspense. It's, there's a lot of suspense. They're, you're waiting for the, the, the camera to pan and something to pop out in front of you. Um, you know, the, uh, like the Carpenter days and things like that and the, the Jason Voorhees stuff. It, there was, there was a suspense and the dread as they approached, but then like the, that, that initial kill was just like, brutal and you were uh, that kind of like finished the deal and there was a certain inevitableness about it yeah and i, you I knew I it was like... inevitable and you it was a ride it was just like a roller coaster ride you you saw the hill coming and then nowadays what they do is they just stop the roller coaster at the hill <laughs> sorry guys gotta get off gotta, you gotta go. get off was yeah. creepy you could have went down yeah, we're not going to do that. We didn't didn't have the budget to build the rest of it. Yeah, we didn't. No. Yeah, we, so get off. So I, I'm excited for that. Like I, I PG-13 roller coasters. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just you know, I feel like Carpenter didn't really care for the Rob Zombie Halloween movies a whole lot. I didn't think um, they were terrible, but it was it was not. It didn't feel John Carpentery. It felt Rob Zombie. And I I don't think that I don't have a, a knock against Rob Zombie making it his own. I will be honest, I've not seen either one of them. I saw the first one. Yeah. It was good. I, I heard the second one was way more zombie, kind of like showing his influence, which is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with a filmmaker making it their own. Um, I just don't need to know that uh, Michael Myers was like a kid with a tragic backstory. You know, like I didn't, like you got that in the first movie and that's it. And he was, just, this kid was born wrong and that's that. I don't need a whole lot of reasons why he became what he was. Right. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And I like that, that Bloomhouse, that seems like that's, it's almost like it's come full circle, uh, you know, cause a wheel, uh, that you come back to a low budget, got a slasher film being produced by the guy who pretty much planted the flag in the U S slasher market, you know, and then created like, you know, the icon that's awesome. So you know what I want out of a a Halloween movie? I want a William Shatner cameo. Yes, they should do a mold of his face now and then use that for the mask. Yeah, like an up-to-date one. Yes, because uh, I'm sure this is known trivia. The the original shape, uh, Michael Myers, that is a turned-inside-out William Shatner mask. Yeah. Um, so I would love to do a new, an updated Shatner uh-huh. mask. That'd be hilarious. Or even if they just sneak some Priceline commercials in what, there. I think it would What if they did like hilarious. a Chris Pine cast? And oh, like, that would be <laughs> even better. Chris Pine cast. That would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, get Shatner in there. That'd be great. That would, Have that him would be... play the Loomis character. That would be... That would not be good, but I would love to watch that, yeah, though. That'd be that great. would be interesting. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, some good news there. So, um, all right, so we've we've talked about all that stuff. That was a lot of news. Uh, feel free if you guys, I know Steve of uh, the Saturday Night Slasher was really excited about the Halloween thing. Oh, no I mean, doubt. Like, that, that seems to be like right right in his, like his heart. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, excited about that. And now we're excited to talk about his other stuff. And now for our feature presentation. Joe's leaving me temporarily. <laughs> temporarily, you make it sound like I'm not going to come back to the show. Well, I mean, if you strike if you strike up a conversation with a, another guy down in Florida, and he's like, "Hey, I got a podcast that pays money," I may never see you again. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So where you, so where are you going? So uh, Thursday, I'm I'm leaving to go to Orlando for MegaCon for the weekend, which is the Orlando Comic Con of i guess the year they have every down there every year they have down there oh um, it's their own it's not a wizard world one it's, it's a not a wizard world yeah. one it's a standalone it's a four-day uh comic-con um 
they got a lot of big guests. It's a lot bigger in Wizard World. Um, I'm going down with uh, one of my buddies and one of my other friends lives down there. And he was kind of like, hey, you know, Megacon's coming around the, right around the corner next month. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, do you, do you want to go? And I'm like... I'm like I don't know like I got other stuff going on you know I've got a I got a trip at the end of the the year and I've got like you know the house we're trying to get a house so I'm I'm trying to get that in order and he's like well Stan Lee's gonna be there I'm like up oh, done so that was on my bucket list I'm like I have to meet Stan Lee yeah and I'm I'm jealous because I mean at this point so you're I gonna probably be, will not be able to yeah because you know? I'm I'm gonna give you a, a, some info which I don't know if you know or not so Stan Lee announced that the the New York Comic Con in June is going to be his last East Coast Comic-Con. He's yeah. only going to be doing stuff on, near his home in California. So, I mean, he's getting up there in age. He can't like do 90, these cons. 91, 92, something like he's that? He's 92. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he, he he announced the beginning of this year he was done doing Comic-Cons in, in, in uh, Canada because of travel reasons. In Canada. In Canada. Uh, <laughs> so now he's kind of like, he's like, I can't do the East Coast anymore either. So this June in New York, the, the last New York Comic Con he's going to be at, which is kind of sad because like um, New York's a big deal. I think New York's a bigger deal for comics than San Diego. San Diego has turned into a big pop culture event. Um, there's less focus on the comics, which, is, which isn't bad, but when you call it a Comic Con, um, you know that then it needs to be a comic convention, and with New York being so seated in the Marvel universe, is like as I say, without New York, there wouldn't be Stan Lee, and without right. Stan Lee, there wouldn't be New York comics. Well, New, apparently, New York's motto is Excelsior. Oh, the state okay. motto is Excelsior, which I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I I I'm packing up, going down to Orlando for a weekend. I'm going to swing back on Memorial Day. Uh, might hit like maybe one theme park for a day, but we're just going to go do a two day at the con, check some stuff out. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting Stanley. Uh, Greg Capullo is going to be there. Uh, he's one of my favorite artists from spawn when I was a kid. Um, and then, uh, Mike Zek, who also did the secret wars, uh, first run is going to oh, be okay. there. Um, Frank Miller, uh, daredevil and Batman iconic, uh, artist and writer also responsible for 300 sin city, uh, All that ass. stuff. Kick. Uh, no, that's Mark Miller. Oh, sorry. Why do, I always get this too flipped. I'm I, sorry. Anyway, it's all right. yeah. uh, you know, and then they've got they've got a lot of celebrities there. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting. Uh, I'll probably go meet uh, Anthony Daniels is going to be there. I might go meet him. Um, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Um, trying to think who else. Kevin Conroy. I'm looking. At, I'm looking forward to. I definitely think I'm going to go meet Kevin Conroy. The that's voice, the voice of the Batman. Voice of Batman. Yeah. Uh, um, Ming Na is going to be there too. Ming Na is going to be there. Uh, the voice of Milan, um, <laughs> or as more people probably know her as Agent May on Agents of Shield. Well, the more people probably know her as Mulan than as Agent May, but still, <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Though it's funny when you go on their website because like they have everything broken down into um, sci-fi, comics, um, animation, and horror, and she's listed under like sci-fi and animation. Yeah, so it's like. It's like she's got her Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. photo and then her Mulan photo. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I guess somebody would show up and be like, oh, you're Mulan. Uh, the guy who plays Cisco from The Flash is going to be there. Cisco's going to be there. Like, Laurel's going to be there. Like, I'd almost want to give you money to go to Cisco and be like, can you just give me a name right yeah, now? I know name I said me. the name same thing. Right now. I was like, can name you me. please name me? I'm like, yeah. I know you're, you're playing a character and the writers do that, but name me. Uh, He'll be like, your name is Peter. Like, <laughs> That's your name. Damn for- it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the guy at the place was right. I didn't yeah. even know. But 
So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, next week on the cast, I'm sure we'll do. I'll do a full report. Uh, who I saw, what I met, you know, who I met, what I did. Yeah, could you do? Could you do the thing that we didn't do last time at Wizard World Cleveland? Could you take photos of things? That would be pretty cool. I took photos. I took. We took some, but not a lot. Like I don't know how like, much is a lot to you. Um, I don't know. We, I didn't. I don't remember a lot of photos. You, okay. I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of photos being taken. I, do you want to look at my phone? I got a bunch I, of photos. Okay. In it. Anyway, so all right then. Um, so you're gonna meet Stanley. <laughs> so I'm gonna meet Stanley. Um, I'm probably gonna look at comics. <laughs> uh, go to some panels. All right. Before what? we go any further, I got I got I got to call an audible here real quick. I'm I'm gonna ask you about this on on the air, quote unquote. Because you, you were talking about today before the show, you're like, what should we talk about? I kind of know what I've been wanting to talk about for a bit, but I wasn't sure how you felt about this. So I'm just going to ask you hmm. right now, because we were supposed to talk about Stan Lee a little bit. The reason, I mean, Stan Lee's important to you, and, and there's a lot of reasons why, but you're going to go get something signed by him, right? Yeah, I'm going to get my Amazing Spider-Man 300. Which is not your first Amazing Spider-Man 300. No. So... I, I want to get more into the, 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 the why and how of Joe and ask him a question. Okay. Because, um, so when we were at Wizard World Cleveland, you, you really debated back and forth, back and forth of which book you wanted to buy. Right. And then to have Neil Adams sign, which you didn't even have Neil Adams sign a book. But then you bought other books. Oh, Neil Adams will be there. I know he'll be there. Yeah. So you could go and get a photo with him and pay him money as opposed to- uh, I might. Yeah. Um, so you debated, then get, get a book, but you picked up the Spider-Man 300, um, Secret Wars, and then some, another amazing Spider-Man. With the, uh, I got the first appearance of Carnage. Yeah. So then you took some of your books to go get graded. Right. And then they came back. Yeah. And you showed me a photo, and you were, you were heartbroken. Yeah. And I didn't know why. So so what happened? Okay. So at Wizard World, so Amazing Spider-Man 300 has been my, my white whale. Uh, when I was 13 years old... I got it for my birthday, and it was—it's uh, the first appearance of Venom, and Venom's always been one of my favorite characters uh, because I—I I really like Todd McFarlane. Um, I—I liked his work on Spider-Man, and I liked like the stuff he's created. He created Venom, he created Spawn, and I've always liked Spider-Man, so that was kind of like the marriage of the two, I guess. Um, and oddly enough, Mike Zek uh, created the symbiote costume. Who he's going to be there. Uh, oh, okay. from Secret War, the guy that did Secret Wars. So he remember? actually did the original black suit. He did the original black suit. So okay. I'm bringing that one with me to sign. Okay. So I, I bought I bought these these comics at Wizard World because I was like, this is the perfect, I guess, place to do it. So I wanted to get them graded because um, one, uh, is it, it's a collectible item, um, and and getting it graded kind of like. It, it sets it as a grade like it's basically like saying this is the condition of your your yeah that's why i just want to ask your, you that. your 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 item so and two yeah um it, it's in a really slick holder like the 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 thing that they got they come in like the thing the is the hard case is the kind hard of cool, case yeah. is really nice so it's great for displaying now the grades there's there's three different grade i think there's three different grades with the cgc which is the comic grading company um, there's there's a, a blue label, which is a certified grade, which is uh, a comic in its original form. Um, then there is a purple label, which is given to comics that are retouched, meaning if um, you know there's been any type of professional work to make the comic look a little more pristine, it's obvious when they inspect it, um, and you know they know what to look for. 
and, and and if there's any type of alteration done to it to make the comic look better, it gets a purple grade. If it's done to a comic that is like older, like let's say you have like like Justice League of America two or something mm-hmm. like that, or Action Comics, uh, whatever ones I I can't even think off the top of my head. Amazing Fantasy fifteen, Spider Man is in. You have a, a um a Amazing Spider Man fifteen that's gr- that's graded purple. That thing is still going to be worth a ton of money being graded. But if it's not a blue label. You know, it's it's basically a retouch or it's it's touched up. Okay. The other grade is a yellow one, which is an official signature. Um, that means that the people at that company that do the grading, uh, they witness the artist, the writer, the person actually physically sign it, and then it's handed off to them, and then they take it off to get graded. Grading goes on us from a scale to one to ten. There's technically no tens out there. Every comic is at least a nine dot eight. A nine dot eight is almost pure mint condition. Um, so I got my comics back. Everything came back in the nine range, except for my amazing Spider-Man 300 came back in an 8.5, which I'm fine with because that's still a very, very fine condition, but it came back as purple, meaning that somebody touched up the cover and technically painted on it. And you can actually see it. I just really didn't look very closely when I bought it because I wasn't thinking about it at the time. And and honestly, why would you like, this feels like one of those things that, Unless you're like, unless you had a situation like you had, or you've been collecting professional, not professionally, but like being a, like a voracious collector, and want you want pristine, you want that. That's not something I would look for. Like I wouldn't know to look for it. It feels right. like it's a it feels like it's one of those lessons after the fact, as opposed to hey, be aware of this. Yeah. But so my question for you though is, so you're you're going to take you you ended up getting another three hundred. I got another three hundred, and here's my reasoning why. Like I didn't want because this ultimately this is going to be a piece on my wall, okay? Um, and like anything else, this has and it's I'm, I probably will never ever sell this comic unless something really strange happens. Like, and a lot of people said, then why bother get it graded? Why worry about it? I'm like because like if people collect art. And if you want to hang art in your house, let's say you're a Jackson Pollock fan and you come across a Jackson Pollock and you get it hung up in your in your house and everybody knows you love Jackson Pollock and you have other Jackson Pollocks in the house, too. And the one that you finally find that you wanted um, an art. And, or somebody comes in, an authenticator or something comes in, and they notice that there is um, like a tear or a blemish in, in a part of the thing. Now, if somebody comes in who just goes to the art museum every once in a while and would be like, oh, well, I don't know what that is, but I don't know. If I know that it's there, I don't want that that purple 8.5 that, up that's there. That's what I was wanting to get to. I was trying yeah. to figure – because it's like for me um, – and I'm not saying that I'm like, this is the way to go. Like I, I do. I mean, I collect in the sense of like, I, like I know right now my, if I buy, I think it's usually a trade. It's not issues because yeah. I like having complete arcs to read. And this is the way that my time is. So those aren't worth anything. Like I have those first two volumes of why the last man signed by Brian K. Vaughn. Those aren't going to be worth anything. But to me, the value was I got to meet him and he signed them. Right. And for like, so when you asked me, Hey, I'm going out to Megacon. Do you want anything signed? I'm like, I mean, for me, it's like I don't get to meet the person, so I don't really think it's that that big of a deal. Like, right. like when we found like we found two separate issues separate of Amazing Spider-Man that were signed by uh, Mark Bagley. Yeah, and they were like twenty bucks, like out the door. I'll take it. Right. Like, and they had a little certificate 
I believe that thing's valid. I, I I'm not going to go hunting it down, but it looks like it's signature, and it seemed like the 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 vendor was like, oh yeah, because they they the way they they told the story, it's like it all kind of made sense. So to me, it was like that's cool. I like this artist. That's important to me. Yeah. I'll grab that. But for this though, it's like since you are you know you this was the book that you loved as a kid. Like, let's say that you still had that, that issue of 300 as a kid. Do you think that would be in any good condition now? Like, Yeah. I had, like, I remember when I got it, I bag and boarded it, and I had it in there for, like, maybe a week or two, and then I bought, like, a $40 frame for it, which was, like, okay. one of those. It was, like, it was like two hard pieces of plastic that clicked together. Oh, I remember those, yeah. And it was, like, it was in there for at least probably 15 years. Okay. And... So you're you're I'm you're proving me wrong. Where I was like, you'd probably want to beat that book up. It wouldn't have been that big. Nope. No. Like it was. I literally had two boxes of comics. That was the only comic that stood out in that box because of the shell that it was in. Okay. And um, yeah. So so it was loved from the get go. It wasn't just no like loved and 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 it afterthought. Was, yeah. Okay. So so okay. I'm starting to see a little bit more how. That must have just been like you were really sad that day texting me about it. You're like, oh, you showed me the picture. I'm like, I don't, whatever. And you're like, yeah, no, no. that's what like, I mean. Like most people would be like, like if I hung that on the wall with the rest of my stuff that's kind of graded, or that I would get graded, everybody would kind of just be like, ah, oh, well, that's cool. You know, you have that. And and then I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, but I would have to look at it. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a comic snob. <laughs> well, no, just because. I know normally value isn't that big of a deal for you, but it it, it seems like in this case it kind of is. It's if if it was an eight dot five and it was blue, mm-hmm. I would be okay. Okay, but the purple, the fact that somebody touched it up, or because you can see, like I looked, I looked around, I looked at different comparisons of other covers. You can see there's a there's a spot right above his leg that looks like there's different color that that's not part of the main. Uh, Maybe it's a variant. They just didn't cover, tell you. No, it's not a variant. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. Um, so the plan is you're going to take your 300, crack it open in front of Stan the Man, mm-hmm. and then have him sign it. Yeah. And then you're going to go, and it's going to come back. It's going to come back with a purple label somehow because he altered it. Well, I actually did a lot of research <laughs> on it. And um, I'm going to take the label because the labels, you're like before I send it off, I'm going to take the label and I'm going to put it in the bag with the bag and board with the 300 so that they can re-verify what grade it was because I got a 9.2. Oh, wow. Okay. Or no, I got a 9.4. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, I'm going to have them re- re-grade it and hopefully it'll come back as a 9.4. It could come back as a 9.2. Just because, just it's, because been it's been handled. Which I'm still fine with. But, you know, I'll have that Stanley signature. Now, I could have went and just bought one on eBay with Stanley's signature See, and, and that, Todd McFarlane's signature, but this... That's, that's not important to me. Right. Yeah. And the only thing I would do with this thing is if I meet Todd McFarlane and I would crack it open again. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I like I, I, think I think you and I, I mean, I think we're coming out from the same direction where it's just that I I just don't have the, the ability to, to drop money on that kind of stuff. It's, it's like, um, like I'll spend like the, the 40, 50 bucks some here and there to meet like, you know, Henry Winkler and just get, and I, I get like a simple eight by 10 photo of him signed, but it's like, and that's not worth anything, but shaking the man's hand and saying it's hi worth to it him to you. is important to me. Well, I'm going to you know? get, and I'm like, going to get a picture. I'm doing the whole kit and caboodle with Stan. You like, should yeah. as well. You should, you know? And I think like I, I, it occurred to me too, like um thinking about this and spring, I, I knew I, I wanted to spring on this conversation on you. And I thought, I think it'd be a good one to have because 
there's a difference between collecting for collecting sake and collecting for what's important. Cause like the other books that you had graded, um, I'm sure if the opportunity come along for some of those creators to sign it, you might debate it, yeah. but those aren't so big on your list. It just happened to be books that you happened to buy at the right time that took off. Yeah. Like, like I, like the other ones that I got graded that I actually owned, uh, Thor one, uh, by Jason Aaron, which is the first appearance is Jane Foster as Thor, uh, which came back as a nine dot six. Um, that I would love to get signed because I like Jason Aaron a lot. He's one of my favorite writers and that's an iconic issue with Thor, you know, with Jane Foster picking up the hammer and becoming Thor. And then um, uh, Spider-Verse 2, um, which is the first appearance of Spider-Gwen, mm-hmm. uh, Gwen Stacy. And that one came back in 9.8, so that one's like mint condition. So, so and if that character keeps taking off like it is... The more you see be... Spider-Gwen blow up, the more... Because right now, I think... That, that comic came out a year ago, and I think it's already valued at 75 bucks. Okay, and with the grading that I got, I think it's it's more close to the ninety hundred range. Okay, and then that's like potentially that could only. I mean, books do go down in value, but it, it, it's right now Marvel's kind of like they're they're hitting a lot of like these these uh, interesting veins of like female driven yeah. characters that people are jumping on board for and are excited for. So that could cause the value to go and up. There's a lot of stuff that I've bought recently too that I didn't. That I've like immediately like like the the new wasp just came out, um, which is uh, I can't remember her name Anastasia. She's Hank Pym's daughter, and uh, this was like her first appearance in um, the comics. And I immediately read it, put it in the bag, made sure it was <laughs> nice and crisp. Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, in the sense, it feels like um, if you have the forward thinking of like, yeah, I'll keep that. But these aren't things that, like, let's say that, like, five, ten years from now, if it's like, oh, I wish I still had that first appearance of Spider-Gwen. Like, I don't think that would be the same thing of important to you as Spider-Man 300 was. No, it's not. And is there any other is there any other white whales out there that you don't have right now? Other than Amazing Fantasy 15? Well, yeah. No. <laughs> like, that's my, that is my last, I guess, white whale is to get in a, a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15. Even if it's in, like, a terrible two or a three grade mm-hmm. um i would still love to own that because uh of how big of a spider-man fan is i am i mean there's other comics that i know that are within my reach like i've contemplated buying uh captain marvel miss marvel first appearances um i've you know the vision i've contemplated that some some key avengers titles and okay. things like that i've contemplated buying um you know stuff that's kind of just within my grasp that's not like in the thousand dollar range you know just you know I think like you could probably get like most of those for around like two three hundred dollars in decent condition. Well, because I remember when you were like showing me this photo, and I I didn't understand the color difference, and you explained it to me, and then you're like, "But I wanted Stan Lee to sign this," so I started looking on eBay for other Stan Lee books, and you weren't you weren't happy with my results I kept coming up with. Oh yeah, Ra- <laughs> Ra- was it Ravage? Ravage twenty ninety nine number yeah. one. I was like, oh, "Look at that, he co wrote that." It was like it was like five dollars. You're like, "Thanks." Like yeah. <laughs> you did not like any of my suggestions at all, um, but because it just felt like to me, it just felt like. You always talked about how this book was important to you, but then when you found out that it's not, that something was slightly off with it, it was just, I don't know, it just shattered your worldview for like a minute, you kind know? Of, yeah. And so, uh, so you're going to get him signed Spider-Man 300, and then it's going to be locked away in a vault forever. Um, like, I, do you think, I don't know, like, uh, will you, 
you're not going to have much opportunity to actually talk to him. You're going to have to just be like, hey, could you sign this? Thanks. I appreciate it. As opposed to, you shaped my life. You don't even know what I mean, you've done. I, I want to say hi and just you know just thank him for everything he did and stuff like that. I mean, I, I probably will get starstruck. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I probably, I probably will be a hot mess. Because you remember how I was kind of like, oh, my God, that's Neil Adams. Which is funny because I'm just like, who? It took me. Like, <laughs> I, I, in hindsight, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. I just like, but I didn't, I didn't know the dc side of it but you you freaked and like i mean i didn't really even like like i just know how impactful he was like certain people like 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 if like frank miller like like this convention is gonna have like more people than wizard world did that that i would just be like oh my god like yeah. like if i was at the last year's wizard world in cleveland when rob liefeld was there even though i can't stand his art the, the guy still is a huge impact on the comic industry yeah and like i i remember I had to specific specifically pull barry aside and be like that's the guy that created deadpool and i wanted her to know yeah like it even like the first time even though i know he's like he does all the different conventions like the first time i see Joe, james obar when you walk by it's like dude made the crow you got to respect that yeah. you know and like even with neil adams it's like even now in our, our studio here i had to get um a print of his signed yeah because even if i um, even if i didn't appreciate like everything he's done it's like the guy's an elder statesman and he shaped a lot of what i know and like that that image is like the first appearance of havoc and it's like like i know the x-men and it's like that's cool so mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna pay my respects you know so like and i feel like with this megacon like i know peter david's gonna be there mm-hmm. and i was excited about that i know you didn't really care but he had a really fun incredible hulk run that he I had liked a good a hulk lot. run and if i was a big hulk fan i would probably be all over that too. that's when uh that's when dale keown was the artist if you remember him like he was a hot for like a second oh did, did he just die dale keown somebody just died oh oh no 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 that was the uh, other dc artist um Oh shoot! The guy Some that did a new frontier, uh, that he had uh, it was like really aggressive brain cancer or something. Um, that wasn't him though. Okay, I know. I feel bad. I we should. It was one of those guys that I saw him passing. I'm like, oh, I, I saw this guy's work, but I, he yeah. was a big DC guy. So anyway, um, I'm excited for you. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. But like Stanley, you want? I know we. I know kind of. I know I kind of sidetracked you. Well, yeah, but that's fine. But any, it's like, an interesting story um, with the whole. 300 so some fun uh, stanley facts uh well stanley i mean he it's funny how like he came came about with the comic industry and why he's such a big icon like i mean most people in pop culture understand that he created a lot of these people that are on the screen today mm-hmm. um and i don't think anybody other than him has been such a driving force in comics um like he created spider-man the hulk fantastic four the x-men thor Almost all of the Avengers, um, Doctor Strange. Well, a lot of this was with conjunction with Jack Kirby too. Like, yeah, there was there was a lot of um, collaboration. Because he started like in 1939, he worked at he started as an assistant at Timely Comics, which in the 60s, Timely Comics eventually became Marvel Comics. Okay, um, and then somewhere uh, somewhere around the 40s, uh, you know, he started to kind of dip into the, like the writing because all he literally did was like go get ink wells for people and get their sandwiches when he started out, because I think he was, like, 19 when he started working at Timely. Um, but, like, you know, he started to dip into comics and a little bit of writing, uh, and he created a character... He co-created a character called The Destroyer in a, in a comic called Mystic Comics 8, 8. And there's been other Destroyers out there. Like, everybody probably knows The Destroyer from Thor, but it's not the same guy. Hmm. Um, and then somewhere around, like, the 1950s... Uh, comics really started to take off for dc like dc was 
the bee's knees for comics. Um, they had they were kicking butt with the Justice League of America. Uh, you had like this this group of superheroes. Like superhero comics were were really starting to flourish and um, uh, timely comics at the time because they didn't really become Marvel until like the sixties. Um, you know, uh, they weren't doing so well. Uh, he was working with um, uh, he was working with Kirby and I think a guy named Goodman. Uh, but what he ended up doing was like, I think he, he was ready to just drop the comic business back then, like in the fifties. And I think his wife was like, you know what? Don't write, uh, don't write a story, um, that whatever the publisher wanted you to write. He's like, she said, write a story that you want to write. And he created the fantastic four and kind of almost like in response to the justice league of America, because they didn't really have a team of superheroes. Mm -hmm. So that's how we kind of got the fantastic four. And then that blew up. So from then on, like one of the key things like with the Fantastic Four, and he was like really revolutionary with this in, in the way that superheroes were done because the way that DC did everything, even with Batman to a point, was that like superheroes were, they were like pristine gods. They had no problems. They were super fit. They were very upbeat. It was like they were they were almost detached from reality more more so than their powers that they they probably weren't normal people in society. Well, Stan Lee wanted to write about these people who had these powers but also had these problems, mm-hmm. um, and that was one of the things. It's like you know they got sick sometimes or they got tired or they had problems with girlfriends or wives. And the Fantastic Four was a family, and it was a family. Mm-hmm. So family problems they would fight, they would they would bicker, and then they, at the end you know the less would be learned they would make up they would they would be happy for each other um you know brother and sister would would you know um you know fight and then you know but the, you know you love your siblings so that was what really kind of helped take that off um and and then he just kind of like ran with it you know like spider-man he he wrote spider-man as a kid in high school that had a kid in high school problems and that's one of the reasons why that character holds up so well this day is because he's such an underdog. Well, that and didn't like timely comics and other things before the big boom of the superheroes. They did a lot of detective and romance comics. He did. He worked on so some sci-fi some having stuff, having yeah. a background and having like character stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Like if you could just meld the two together. Yeah, and it, that that's kind of you know it's it's a license to print money now. You know? And and you know they had other characters that I know like, like Captain America. Like I think uh, Kirby was working on Captain America at the time. He Captain America was from. Oh, he existed before f- yeah, Marvel he, got him. Yeah, he was um he was part of Timely's run and like him and Namor were the two that existed yeah, before they, Marvel got them. Right. They got brought in as characters along with other characters. Like I think there was a guy called the Hurricane. Uh the original human torch. The original human torch. Um those four four guys were kind of like the main superheroes of that. And then all of a sudden like at at you know at this point in the 50s like um like or 40s and 50s like Kirby and, and Lee just started spitting characters out like crazy. You know, like like the Hulk, like when Lee created the Hulk, he you know he had a guy that was like a Jekyll Hyde type character, which he was kind of almost like the first anti-hero because like the Hulk was like so destructive and he was just like this primal rage of inner, you know, inner anger. And, repressed and, and repressed anger yeah. with banner and like it was a way for the for lee to kind of like write this character out like um you know this th- this guy's got you know everybody's got their demons yeah and this guy's actually comes out 
and it's a monster. And but he's a superhero, so it's like you know you kind of channel that. It was very a very kind of different dynamic for the time. Um, and then like one of the um, uh, he you know he was even kind of groundbreaking in a sense that like f- the first black characters with Black Panther and Falcon were created by him with the mainstream comics. There were other black superheroes but not so much in a mainstream comic. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to kind of bring those in there. So he, he's done a lot of things that have well, really paved the way straight for Straight up comics. the X-Men. Like, that was all about, like, being different's okay. Mm-hmm. And that really, that that came out around the time of, like, desegregation and also just, like, the counterculture coming up and all of that. So I mean, he had his finger on the button about, like, it, like you grew something something's different about you and that makes you different than those around you but that doesn't make you bad and the x-men still um still have that you know and like their presence now like Mm -hmm. you know in comics now that's one of the main things that drives the x-men i mean everybody loves to see superheroes with superpowers but you have the avengers for that but the x-men have a whole different set of problems um i mean not only are they trying to do the good thing and, and be superheroes and save the world. But then they have the, the inner turmoil of them being segregated as mutants as a different species and having, even physical problems like Cyclops where he can't, he has to wear Ray-Bans the entire time where he's going to kill people. Right. But like they, you know, they have, they have inner conflict within the mutant circle themselves. Some mutants hate other mutants, humans hate mutants. I mean, Marvel's taken it to a full step further with the Inhumans, and now it's like the Inhumans hate the mutants, and the humans <laughs> hate the mutants. If Basically, if you have human in your species, you hate mutants. That's where it's at now. But, yes, yeah, Stanley... You've got to build a wall. No. Stanley did that. I mean, he, he definitely used the X-Men as a vehicle to kind of, like, you know, speak to that, that what was going on politically. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like... Um, and then later on, I know that his his creative influence... It kind of shaped Marvel, but he he became more of a like a figurehead mm-hmm. because his personality is very winning and very charismatic, and mm-hmm. he's he's like the grandfather of modern comics now. So it's like when he makes all the appearances in all the movies, it's just like that's Stan Lee. Even though like I know he didn't want to do a Guardians of the Galaxy appearance, Galaxy because he was like I didn't make any of these characters. Everyone's like, but just come in, you know. Yeah. And they so he at least acknowledged that. So it's like. I feel like Stan Lee did such a good job of being Stan Lee in the later part of his life that it has come back around to where there is this big love affair of everything he did create because it almost feels like what he did create um, caused this ripple effect to make so much more happen that people almost give him credit for all of that whenever that really necessarily wasn't his well, his he, focus. A lot of people are like he created the characters. He never really owned them. Uh, like there's a lot of business side to it where, um, you know, obviously the publishing companies and stuff like that, and the, you know, own the characters. So didn't get as many royalties as you would think. Like, I mean, he's not filthy rich, but he is pretty well off. Um, I would hope so now. I mean, they, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because like in 2002 when the Spider-Man movie came out, uh, he actually sued Marvel for royalties and some of the rights with, with the movie. And I can't remember if he won or not, but it was funny because he's always been quoted as saying it was the friendliest lawsuit that he's ever been a part of. <laughs> because like he, st- even though he sued Marvel Comics, he still has a great rapport with that company. Um, and I think that's probably what set the stage for him to come back and have more active, like not active involvement, but be uh, like um, he a spokesperson, statesman, kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, he hasn't been really like like active in the actual comic business, like on the Disney side of it, like of the actual no, publishing yeah. company of Marvel. 
Um, you know, he is a big figurehead. He has his own. He's had his. He's had a slew of his own publishing companies with comics. Like I know there was POW Comics. Um, Kamikaze is the one that he runs now, or is like that's his main. Like if you go to Stanley.com or the real, I think it's the real Stanley.com. It's basically Kamikaze's website. Okay. Um, but comic comic Kazi, uh, <laughs> like like not Kamikaze comic. Uh, it's like a company that, that they have set up for like publishing comics. It's a bunch of different characters flying into American warships. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's he's had his work, you know, cut out for him, like, you know, coming up with newer characters. Like we joked about Ravage. I mean, he had that stint on Spike TV with, uh, what was it, Stripperella. Stripperella. Yeah. Um, he's come up with some weird stuff. Um, and like one of the things that I, I did want to bring up that I, that happened in the 70s that, that I am really proud of him about is he fought with the comic code authority because the comic code authority always stamped comics like this comics certified approved it's by approved. the comic, yeah. it's you know just like we have the m the m mpaa system with the uh um the movies the, the, yeah. movies, the pg pg 13 the r's so you had the comic code approval so like if, if you were buying comics for your kid and it didn't have a comic code approval on it you probably didn't buy it for your kid and most people probably didn't buy There's probably it. a lot of places that didn't stock that stuff because it's like right. the same thing as like putting an X-rated movie in your theater. No one's going to come to it. So there was a there was a three issue arc in the seventies in Amazing Spider Man nine ninety six through like ninety eight ish something, and it told a story about how one of Spider Man's friends struggled with drug addiction, and the Comic Code Authority was like, no, 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 we can't have any type of talks about drug addiction or any drugs in comic books and he fought with them on that because how he had that dynamic with his characters having these problems was mm-hmm. key to Probably the Harry other... Osborne right because then he have a big issue like big thing with drugs there for a bit I don't oh, anyway remember sorry. it could have been Harry Osborne yeah. I, I would have to honestly go look it up because I have not read Amazing Spider-Man in the 90s like 90 issues yeah I've read like the first 10 and then I've read like like the 200s up yeah but um i have like this gap of like the 70s and 80s of amazing spider-man that i need to catch up on i had literally have the digital versions of of one all through the four, essentials one through yeah. 400 wow it's like eight gigs and <laughs> i i slowly started to get through it and then i was just like intimidated by it and i put it down i've never got back <laughs> to it um but um yeah so like like if you think about that like we would never have certain comics like coming up because it was only about a decade away from the Watchmen, give or take yeah or even like you got like a little further on with dark knight rises it's like there's some there would not have been like you're right like because the comic code authority rose out of um the ashes of like uh there was all like ec comics like uh tales from the crypt and yeah like you know all that stuff and they're like oh we can't have comics be that graphic anymore right. uh and so so yeah i mean that good on him to actually stand up for like legitimate story reasons like listen here's what's going on this is organic this is prevalent today this isn't doing it just to be graphic and i think that's important to have that conversation of like there's a point to this as opposed to excessive and that's cool that he stood up to that and like i remember when um uh not i don't remember this but i remember reading uh I don't want to say when it was when Marvel took over, but it was one of the publishing co- it, was, it was after Timely kind of fell apart, and um, they sat him down and they were like, "Okay, well, you know, we want you to be a chairman for this." And like he literally was like, 
I can't even tell you, like, this was in one of his interviews, I think. He's like, I can't even tell you what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. I cannot give you a three-year plan for this company. <laughs> like, I just want to write stories. Like, and that's what I love about this guy is, like, he's a writer. He's a storyteller. He's imaginative. Um, he has made a lot of different uh, business decisions. Yes, he's done some business stuff. Um, you know, with the multiple com- comic companies that he's had, you can kind of tell that he's not a business guy and he's more of a storyteller. Yeah, some guys are, are better cut for certain areas of and, life. And yeah. even when he said like he would write with Ditko, he said, I would, I would, I would basically give, you know, I would give Steve a general outline of what I did. You know, when they do comic panels nowadays, it has to be pretty descript. Yeah. Like these guys have to work literally side by side. He would basically say, okay, so here's what I want. I want Spider-Man to be swinging through the city, and I want him to spot the vulture, and the vulture is going to be, you know, coming back from a bank heist. And then, you know, he ends up, like, trying to intervene and stop the vulture, and then the vulture, like, you know, goes down, and he, like, uh, endangers a couple of civilians and blah, blah, blah. And that's basically how he would do it. And then Dicko would draw the panels, and then Lee would go back in, and he would just kind of, like... He would write in the dialogue afterwards, <laughs> and it was completely different than how they do it now. Yeah. And it was just like, like it was so loose, but it's hard to believe that that was like what became greatness. And you know, I kind of feel the same way about sometimes when I am when I'm creative. Like I don't get real descript, and I don't have like a straight outline. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, a I have a whole scenario in my head that plays out, and then I just kind of like let it pan out. Yeah, so I can kind of see how he does that yeah so um again i am i am hella jealous that you're going to meet the man and um you know that, that's it it makes me happy to know that like there's going to be opportunities like as i think about like my like what's my bucket list of people that i'd like to meet like he's one of them and then i missed my opportunity to buy tickets to go meet stephen king in june when he's coming to dayton like that would be like big on my list and like, there's just a couple people it's like so so yeah, like that's probably like one of your number one guys. I think I gotta I gotta get some Star Wars people in too. Like one of these one of these Star Wars celebrations, I'm gonna make it to. Um, so I'm hoping to meet either uh, Mark Hamill or uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher. Um, I don't think Harrison Ford would be there, but uh, or David <laughs> don't, Prowse. Don't, don't let him fly in by David, himself. David Prowse would be another one. Uh, Jeremy Bullock's gonna be there. Uh, so Boba Fett and C3PO are gonna be there. Yeah, that's cool. Like, uh, so I had to pick between the two. I don't think I could. I don't. I don't want to spend the money for both. But I think I would pick three PO only because I feel like he's got more Star Wars cred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Even though Boba Fett's more of a badass. Yeah, but Anthony Daniels has been like in in all of them. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, he's yeah. the narrative. So. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, um, we'll get more. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, MegaCon uh, next week. Uh, hopefully, Joe has some fun adventures there, and then there'll be some fun pictures to post of him meeting Stanley. And then you'll, I'll post a picture of me sitting on my couch eating ice cream and just crying, just <laughs> like just sobbing. You know, Sorry. I don't know. Um, so uh, again, uh, like uh, hit us up on our Facebook uh, Invasion of the Podcast, our Twitter as Invading Podcast, our Gmail address is Invading Podcast Gmail. Uh, let us know like if there is. Is like, there a white whale comic out there? Yes, like for you, white whale comic. I, and I'm not a comic. I'd say piece of um, like pop culture or media, maybe. maybe. Maybe that's like a wider wider swath. Maybe it's a Batman the animated series Batmobile. Yeah, you know, um, one of my one of my coworkers. He we went to well, he was at a free comic book day with us. Okay, 
he has been enamored with that Batman Batmobile since since we left, and he's like, I gotta go back and get that. Like, <laughs> well, like whenever I saw the, not that this is a big thing, but the the Infinity Gauntlet piggy bank. Like when I saw that was for sale, I'm like, I have to get one. It's not a big deal, but the Infinity Gauntlet was a pretty big story at the time, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of awesome to actually have a full size gauntlet with the gems. Uh, that's another. I don't want to say bucket that 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 might be a bucket list one, but I really want to meet Jim Starlin, who yeah. did Infinity Gauntlet, and I need to re. I had three of the issues of Infinity Gauntlet when I was a kid. I had the I had the six the story I, arc, and I lost it. I want the whole story arc again. I want to recollect it because. I've all there. I've always wanted to do because I'm pretty creative. I wanted to do a display setup of like a gauntlet. I don't know how I would do it in scale to comic books, but have each one of the gems be one of the issues. That's cool. Yeah. And the other one I wanted to do was um, uh, max the Maximum Carnage series, which was a 14 part series. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do that displayed, but I wanted to have it set up so that you had almost like this, like plastic um like uh ickery like symbiotic like stuff connecting yeah. all of them like a web of chaos like with a web, all of it. Like, yeah. well like you know like a web like carnage's symbiote yeah you know kind of like that red and black yeah you know stretch i mean you could probably get like i don't know any type of weird elastic gummy stuff you know what i mean yeah or even like if you get colored like glue sticks or something and maybe make that kind of acrylic or something and do that yeah yeah but i wanted to do that as a display because i think that would be a cool way to display something like that no that is cool you're right you know, so. um but as, as opposed to me i just bought a bank i have sitting on my desk i put quarters in it so i'm not that creative i guess <laughs> um but yeah i mean if there's any of that white whale stuff out there i think that's i think that'd be a fun topic i'm trying to think what that'd be for me because i'm sure there's stuff i've lost over time like probably not to drag the episode on too long because i swear we got a fun bit coming up here too um like the the first um spider-man that was todd mcfarland's spider-man the one that he did i had that with the silver cover gone now like that would have been a cool one to get um just those like that first like 20 issues that he did before um uh eric larson took over the book uh that would that would have been something i'd like to have back but maybe maybe I'll meet the guy that created Darkhawk and shake his hand. That's maybe that's what that I'll do. That would be cool. And then, then I'll put yeah, like, th- I'll, then I'll put like a dollar in his can and be like, oh, I didn't realize that you're the homeless guy outside this convention. I just I'm sorry, dude, that you created Darkhawk. Yeah, Tom, Tom McFarlane's on my bucket list. I yeah. I have to track him down, and that's going to be a tough and one. Mark Bagley. And Mark you're going to stalk Mark Bagley. Yeah, you should call him up while you're in Florida and be like, hey, I know you live in Atlanta, but you should just you come down. Swing on down. You want to swing you on set, down? You want to set up a booth just anywhere you want and. Like in this Denny's at three o'clock in the morning, I'll meet yeah. you there. Uh, so anyway, we'll have reports on that. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll have some fun to talk about. But in honor of Joe going to Florida, I have a game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> so I said at the beginning, asking Joe if he knows his man. So there's the very popular meme of florida man do you know what i'm talking about no okay so uh example there's a twitter feed it's this this florida man where there's all these stories where it's like local florida man does this it's all these crazy stories out of florida okay it turns out that there's other parts of the world that kind of have these ridiculous stories so germany also has a lot of these okay so i want to ask you is this florida man or is it german man so for example i'll give you one here um okay uh let's see here blank man Puts dragon lizard in his mouth and smacks people with it. These are all headlines that I found. German man. 
That is Florida Man puts a, uh, a dragon lizard in his mouth and smacks people with it. Okay. Um, blank Man marries cat. German. A German man. You're right. Okay. <laughs> some of these some of these get a little weirder and funnier, I promise. Um, blank Man forgets bride at road stop on honeymoon. Florida. German man. Uh, blank Man has had pencil in his head for 15 years. German. German man. Uh, <laughs> 15 years. Blank man bitten by snake that friend says he enjoyed kissing. Florida. Florida man. I feel like there's a lot more reptile related <laughs> things in Florida. I tried to stay away from like alligator talk yeah. and all that stuff just to try to make it a little more interesting. Um, <laughs> also, this one I think is a little telling. Blank man jailed for teaching his dog to perform Nazi salute. <laughs> German man. It was German man. Okay. Um, Wait. <laughs> That's a, you can't. Uh, you can make the dog raise its paw in the air. The, yeah, but I know these are all. I don't know how valid these stories are. These are just all headlines that. It just sounds ridiculous. Know. Dogs put their hands up in the air all the time for everything. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, drunk blank man <laughs> falls asleep on top of horse. Uh, German. German man. Okay. <laughs> um, blank man who had sex with dolphin says it seduced him. Florida? Florida. <laughs> like, where the hell is a dolphin going to be in Germany? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, here, here's one. Blank man believes wrestling event is haunted by the ghost of <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. Florida? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I smelled Slim Jims. <laughs> I was like, Miss Elizabeth, where are you? <laughs> she... I'm, I'm going to drive into this tree now. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, I was like, I was like sitting here, and it felt like an elbow hit me in the back of the head <laughs> from the top rope. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions I have about that story, but we, well, that's an awesome story, yeah. though. Uh, blank man drinks goat blood and ritual sacrifice, runs for senate. Florida, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not too far off from that right now. No, we're not. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Blank man being grilled for stealing electricity with meat hook. Germany. Yeah. Um, blank man interested in getting tased runs through airport and underwear waving nunchucks. That's a tough one. Ah, that's tough. Uh, I also feel like this could happen in Russia. Um, I'm going to say Florida. That's right. <laughs> nunchucks. <laughs> did i tell you um this uh, i know this episode's running along so i apologize a couple couple weeks ago we pulled up to uh detroit uh detroit road yeah be specific. i'm like we didn't no, detroit. detroit road here in cleveland and at the stoplight there was just an older cart pulled up and there was just a guy sitting in his car at the stoplight he pulled out a pair of nunchucks and held them out the window and just started swinging them around while he was waiting for the light to change and it just felt like I stumbled into like the laziest seventies cop show ever or like TV show. It was just a guy just swinging nunchucks at the light. And then when the light changed, you just brought him back in the car and drove away. I just, I have no idea what was going on, but it was amazing. I probably would have taken a picture of that. Or I something. was trying to, but I was driving. So I also like, I was worried that like he would just like take an air swing and hit my car. And yeah. then, you know, but I also want to believe that the guy's like a really lazy, like loan shark is just chasing people down, driving, swinging nunchucks. But, like you don't want to make me get out of this car. All right. Blank man covered in pizza arrested for pizza battery after pizza dispute. 
That's why do they put pizza in there so much? I don't know. But it's uh, good Florida. Headline. Okay, yes. Blank man dressed as pirate arrested for firing musket at passing cars. Germany. That's Florida. And let's see, is there anything else that's fun in here? Oh, okay. We'll, we'll do last two here. Um, blank man attempts to snort speed off a police car. Florida. Germany. And then the last one, um, actually, no, sorry, I got two more. Blank man's church loses tax exempt status because it's just a nightclub. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. I just like the idea. It's like, oh, it's a church. People come in, they worship. It's like, wait a second. Yeah, it just loses tax exempt status. <laughs> and then last one, blank man dies after blowing up condom machine. Germany. That's Germany, right? So there we go. So there, there's your there's your German man and your Florida man. Ah, uh, it sounds like a comic. You should check out the Florida man Twitter because it's always like a Florida man does. It's like so the, the way it's always phrased, it makes it sound like this, this one guy is just crazy through Florida running around. So, Jesus. all right. Anyway, um, that was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Um, it was a fun episode. I hope Joe gets all his wildest dreams come true at MegaCon. Uh, then we'll be back next week. Um, talk about MegaCon. We may talk X Men. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see it or not. Actually, yeah, it's well. I fly down Thursday. Uh, I get there Thursday morning, and then Friday is the first day of the con we're going to. It's Thursday night too. But oh, that's we, right. You're going to go see X Men. I'm going to go see X Men down in Florida, probably. Okay, so yeah. I'll try to see it this weekend. Man, the reviews on that are coming out lukewarm. Like, yeah, they're kind of hit or miss. I mean, yeah. I'm hoping it's it's good. I'm 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 starting to think it's not going to be first class. I'm starting to think it's going to be more X Men too. Yeah, like well, we'll we'll save that conversation because. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes, please hit us up on our on our, our various social media. Also, if you could be so kind as to go on our iTunes page and also our Stitcher page and give us a five star review, that would be wonderful. And also check out our friends uh, Kevin and Rick at Radio Violenta. I know they're recording tonight as well. We have competing podcasts right now, and it's very much like Cannonball Run style about who's going to get there first. Um, and they're covering some cannibal movie. So I asked if they had pork rinds available. They never responded to me. Huh. Um, also, uh, Kevin and I do the Twilight Zone podcast called Strange Highways. This week, we will be recording an episode about the 16-millimeter shrine. Uh, a trippy little episode about a lady who was a famous actress, and she keeps like reliving her past over and over again. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, please check that out as well. I am done chilling. Uh, have a good week. Um, and that, that's it. I don't know. Like, we... Anything else? No, we'll see you next week. Excelsior! 